Greetings program, hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie, Tron. This is Minute 60, if you can believe it. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and returning with me today is my resourceful, first-rate, and exceptional guest co-host, Eric Nash. Welcome, Eric. Ah, thank you. That's <laughs> too kind. Welcome. <laughs> Here we are. Minute 60. That's a bit of a milestone in the... Uh, in the uh, movie-by-minute community, I imagine everybody feels a little something when they pass the first hour mark. Unless you're doing, a, you know, the Lord of the Rings extended cuts and you've got like nine hours to go. So let's see what happens in minute 60 here. So Flynn meets a new character named Bit in the cockpit of the Recognizer. And Yori and Tron stroll through a sparse crowd of some bizarre programs, including my favorite shot in the entire movie. <laughs> I love it. So uh, Flynn's trying to fly his recognizer around when suddenly there's a little twittering above his view screen. So he looks up and then he ducks and he says, hey. And then we get a close up of a complex little white shape bobbing around on the screen. And uh, when I looked it up, it says it's it's an overlapping of two polyhedrons, hmm. namely uh, a dodecahedron, which is a, a polyhedron with 10 faces, and an icosahedron, which is a polyhedron with 20 faces. So D&D &D enthusiasts will recognize these as a D10 and a D20. Uh, that's its uh, default state. And then Flynn says, hold it right there, and uh, points at it. And we go back to a close-up, and the white snowball-looking thing bobs back to center screen and says an electronic, Yes! Pulsing into a different shape and turning yellow. And then this yes shape is an octahedron, which is like two four-sided two four pyramids glued base to, base to base. Which is simple. Yeah, it gets, it then, gets simpler, you know. It gets simpler. know that you're going to talk about in a second. <laughs> yeah, it's, is... Uh, kind of... Is, what does it say? Flynn says yes, then the bit says yes, and then Flynn says, is that all you can say? And then the bit says no, in its great electronic voice, pulsing into a new shape. And this new shape is called the second stellation of an icosahedron. Oh. So stellations, stellations are a bit of a rabbit hole, geometrically speaking. You might know more about this than I do, because apparently an icosahedron has 18 fully supported stellations. 16 of them are reflexible, and two of them are chiral. It's like you add a, a spike to each face on the D20 and then add more spikes to those new faces. It's not exactly fractal, but it's sort of getting into the same wheelhouse, if I'm understanding huh. correctly. Maybe not. Huh. But uh, no, no, never, second... We never went that deep. We had, uh, yeah. we had freshman year, um, the, the, the third quarter of freshman year and for industrial design and graphic design and fashion design. We're all in the design school. Um, and we it was space. The, the, first, the first quarter is... Um, uh, color second quarter is uh form and then third third quarter is space so we get more 3d and we we, we built dodecahedrons and icosahedrons but we never did <laughs> out of paper <laughs> you know essentially construction paper you know um, yeah but yeah. we never did anything like uh <laughs> this uh <laughs> spike you know guy <laughs> yeah yeah i like that the uh the insinuation here but you were talking about earlier is that a a yes shape is simpler than a no shape, which is sort of sort of sounds like it's saying that a no is more complex than a yes, hmm. which I sort of 
just in general like it insinuates that a yes with reservations or a yes with conditions mm-hmm. is not a pure yes but i don't know are adult complex humans even mm-hmm. capable of a pure yes or i don't know because a no leads to reasons why the no exists so that's why mm-hmm. it's more complex i don't know what do you think that that sounds yeah really insightful <laughs> a lot more thought than i had given to it but uh it's yeah i mean it's you know when when you say yes i mean you, you can say yes but and no but but yes yeah but right? seem you know a little more straightforward and yeah yeah, yeah like i uh i wonder like I, they probably just picked a couple of cool shapes <laughs> right so right but it was it's in the uh, creator's commentary. They talk about how the bit was created by a company called Digital Effects Incorporated. That's the, one of the four one of the four companies that worked on the film, making uh, vehicles and characters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they made a series of stills of it pulsing from its uh, dodecahedron icosahedron hybrid shape, morphing to the uh, seventh stellation of the. Icosadodecahedron and back again while spinning for its neutral white holding idle state, and then another series of cells for its morph into the shape, its no shape and its yes shape, and then those cells were put onto transparencies, and then uh, are those those uh, stills were put onto transparencies, and then they were overlaid on the screen and moved around to create the illusion that it was flying around. So it's kind of this neat blending of age-old animation mm-hmm. techniques of printing something on a cell and then uh, on a transparent cell, but also it's rendered out with like the highest end computers that were available at the time to try to make this, uh, this character. So I thought that was, um, that was pretty, that was pretty cool. That's a neat, uh, a neat mixture, you know, but another thing is that I'm happy that the bit character turned out the way that it did because the bit was originally designed to have a big cartoony exaggerated face (laughs) and it was supposed to be like expressive comic relief like in a like a don bluth film or like the teapot and beauty and the Mm -hmm. beast or or something like that like i'm i'm just really there's all these productions production sketches of the bit going like what you know and like gloating or being shocked or crying or whatever so i'm I'm pretty happy they didn't go down that route. There was some, uh, there was some silliness in the earlier scripts that ended up not being stuck with. I think they were gonna do it as a. They were originally somewhat leaning towards much more comedic than what we ended up getting. So I'm kind of. I would have been. I'd like to go to an alternate universe and sort of see where what the comedic version of Tron turned out like. You know, like because that would have been a, a whole different movie. I think. Maybe a bit more dated too, in a way. Well, and and the big thing oh. I have for Bit is that he, he to me again. Okay, I'm gonna bring in Star Wars again. He's very Yoda, very Yoda like, you know. Oh. At, at least as far as his first meeting goes for Flynn and Bit and and Luke and Yoda in Empire. Okay. And and you know if, if they had gone comedic with it, it it just wouldn't have. It it would have felt like it even more, <laughs> because yeah. Yoda has that is, is essentially it's a big put on for Yoda that that he he's playing this silly silly creature. 
you know, yeah. and then then reveals himself eventually. But um, but uh, if yeah, if they had gone with that, I mean, it, it just wouldn't have made as much sense in this case as it does. There. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's such a more complex Yoda is such a more complex being. All, all the beings are so yeah. much more complex, really. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, F- Flynn is the outlier here in this yeah, world. Yeah, for sure. You know, he he is so out of his element, and uh, you know he he needs to. I think he needs to meet this extremely much even more simple version of everything else. Yeah. You know, to uh, to help him along a little bit, do little things here and there. Yeah, and I kind of like the idea of having uh, something in your possession or something following you around that can give you an absolute yes or no to whatever question you ask it. I think that that would be really helpful in some situations, you know, especially if it's yes or no was absolute, like that would be, that would be pretty cool. I wonder if they ever made like a bit Christmas ornaments. (laughs) I think that would really, that would be really cool. I like that uh, in legacy Flynn appeared to have some sculptures of different, bit states mm-hmm. on his mantelpiece in the hideout there they weren't exact but they were those sort of uh, reflective puzzle sculptures that looked like like mm-hmm. bit i saw some um paper craft versions of bits different states like you were saying you made in school right like you made uh mm-hmm. like paper versions of a of a dodecahedron or whatever right nothing as complex as the no shape here but you made different shapes right oh yeah right yeah i think it's it's this bit bit is considered to be the first fully cg character that's ever created mm-hmm. in a film mm-hmm. cool. which is a pretty sweet record to have yeah. but i wonder if uh i mean that sort of i think the mcp is fully cg too but his his mm-hmm. face was hand animated so i don't know if uh maybe that's maybe that takes his mm-hmm. his crown away but i can dig that bit is the first fully cg character it definitely fits the bill i think Flynn asks, you know anything else? And then the bit says, yes. And a small alarm goes off in the cockpit and Flynn course corrects. And we get another shot of the corridor that he's flying down. And this view of the corridor shot was hand animated, which is something that's worth noting. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of shots in this movie that people assume are CG and they're actually not. They're actually just, uh, they were just really painstakingly hand animated by a big team of, uh, of animators that were also working on the film, but they did their job so well that a lot of people assume that it was just all CG, especially at the time. Like now you can sort of tell, you know, Oh, there's some giveaways there. That's, that's hand animated. But at the time, nobody had any idea what was, uh, CG and what was not. So, you know, I think that, uh, that worked in the movie's favor. Then Flynn says, positive and negative, huh? You're a bit. And then Bit says, yes. And then Flynn says, well, where's your program? Isn't he going to miss you? And Bit says, no. And Flynn leaps to a conclusion and asks, I'm your program? And Bit says, yes. And Flynn says, great. Another mouth to feed. Like it's a puppy or a baby or something. I think he's taking it remarkably well. Like I think this is, the scene. like you mentioned, he's an outlier earlier. But I think in this scene he's really starting to be at home in this world now. Like he's piloting a recognizer, a bizarre creature shows up and he's handling it like with like calmness and aplomb. He's just like, Oh, okay. (laughs) You know, like before he was looking around going, what the heck is happening? And now he's got some kind of, 
I think he's got a handle on both the stakes and he's got a bit more comfort in the in the world. Hmm. I think so because after Ram died in the previous scene, I think he realized, oh, people can die here, uh, and they're not just programs, you know. Hmm. So he's uh, he gets a, a feeling of his own mortality. Would you like to be in the computer world? Do you think? Ooh. Um, for as logical as I often claim to be, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think you would uh, yeah. not enjoy it? Mm. Like this is uh, I, I don't know. I don't. It depends on. I guess it depends on what your powers were in that world, yeah. or what, uh, in what circumstance. If you were kidnapped and you were a prisoner, then maybe not for sure. But. The- the 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 hollow deck when things are going okay there's no outside influences doing yeah. crazy things to it okay yeah. yes you can change things at at will you know but yeah when uh, it gets locked down and bullets actually can kill you no yeah yeah that's right the safety features get turned yeah, off right. like check please I didn't realize this until a few minutes uh, a few uh, like podcast minutes ago when another co-host brought it up but this is the bit that clue had at the beginning of the film hmm. if like it fled the scene of the accident okay. back at the beginning of the film and then hid in this garbage pile and now it recognizes flynn as clue like in my head i thought that every cockpit of every vehicle had a bit flying around hmm. for absolute hmm. yes or no questions so i was like we were talking about the tanks and i was like why are, why are there no bits in the in the tank cockpits and then you know, he would say, well, I think the bit character is unique. I think there's just one bit and it, uh, huh. it was clues. And now it sees Flynn and it's like, Oh, clue. How are you? And Flynn's like, I don't know what you are. And bits kind of like, uh, I'm really confused right now, but I'm just going to hang around with you. Cause I thought they'd be everywhere because they're bits. Like they literally yeah. make up everything. Right. So, well, yeah, like, right. How how does how does this bit come into being? When yeah, I mean, technically everything should be kind of made up of bits. Um, yeah, right. You know what? So, what caused this one bit to escape from the rest of it? Rest of the bits it was with it was. Yeah, whatever. well, I guess it was made by. It was either made by Flynn to a company clue. Or Clue made it independently. I'm not quite sure. Because if Flynn made it for Clue, I don't know why Finn is confused about what it is when he meets it now. So, I mean, it's just... I think we're putting more thought into it because it's just a a silly side character, right? Because the bit says, yes, 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 which is pretty funny. And then we see his, his recognizer going down another cool hallway in the maze. And we get this really cool shot where you see the hallway by itself... And then the camera actually passes through a gap in the recognizer's core mm-hmm. as the recognizer goes past the camera and forward down the hallway. Speaking of Fincher yeah. in our earlier minute, this is a very Fincher-y shot. Because that's like one of the flaws in a lot of CG shows, I think. Since, like I was saying, you can put the camera anywhere you want. So a lot of places, they just go bonkers with the camera. You see it in kind of the Marvel, like even nowadays in like the Marvel movies. Right? Like the live action stuff is fairly static. You've got these accepted you know, movie language locked off shots and, you know, focuses and and stuff like that. But then when the big battles happen, the camera's like just swooping all over the place for no other reason than that. It's super dynamic and they can. 
and it's a little i know it looks great but it's always been a bit dissonant to me and it really separates the film into like here is the cg part now you know i don't i don't <laughs> mind it used sparingly like in this shot uh -huh. here because no one i guess another thing is that at this point no one had done it before so it was like super cool but i don't know what do you think about that in terms of like film language and uh cg cameras do you yeah, notice I mean, that in film? You know, I really, I really like, I really love Fincher and and what he's done. Yeah. with all of his movies yeah. and those scenes. I mean, I think where he probably did it to the to the most, um, you know, bad and good effect at the same time. I think there's good elements to it in the movie, but some other ones that are bad is Panic Room. Yeah, Panic and, Room you know, is what like, I, I mean. The one, the one instance where it makes the absolute most sense is I wonderful. But if he, he could have just gone away for the two or three other times he does it in that movie, I think that would have been better. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a, a time and a place for it. Yeah. That was I like because I'm, I'm a like yeah. Don't get me wrong, I'm a huge fan of Fincher, mm -hmm. and I think that the one yeah that was that one. That's the one sort of example when they go like through the the handle of the coffee pot and then just like all the way across this room in a very like what's happening right now like because that's not that kind of movie it's not like it was in 3d or something like it was just a a tense movie with uh with jodie foster but anyway yeah well then we cut to the io tower uh i mean i think it's the ito io tower it's got the red beam so i guess that's what it is but you're seeing it from an aerial aerial shot where you see the surrounding structures in a slow zoom into it and then we get my favorite yeah. shot in the entire film gosh i wish like we okay so we cut to the interior of the io tower and we get a conversation between <laughs> between these two bizarre creatures mm -hmm. there's two creatures just hanging out one is sort of what looks like a sort of a short a shortish man inside a huge vacuum tube light bulb that's actually working it's flashing on and off as it's around him he's like it's down to his thighs and it's encapsulating his whole body this giant glass dome with uh with writing on it and then like a giant flashing light inside and he's talking to something that looks kind of like a cross between like i don't know a wookie and a duck <laughs> like it's this pile of hair with this long snout and they're both talking to each other. Their body language is just like, oh, hey, Steve, what's going on? Oh, not much. How you doing? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, they don't look like they're, they're talking like they're just normal, everyday people inside a normal, everyday situation. But they're the strangest costumes I think I've ever seen in a, in a movie. In, in a and, movie that you otherwise, know, you know, doesn't present really hardly anything yeah. else quite as... <laughs> crazy yeah but, but so to exactly. me my big point is that this is kind of their cantina scene though i mean you know mm -hmm. now in star wars the cantina i mean you know there's definitely other things prior to that you know the jawas that kind of give little hints that you might see something like that but yeah in this case this is yeah this is uh kind of bonkers <laughs> yeah it really blindsided me i remember it's like what you know like and then we get a shot of uh two monks walking along beside each other and then uh they're walking behind what looks like a massive pointy cluster of cigarettes or firecrackers or roman candles or batteries or something being carried wearily on the back of a guy with a skull mask wearing a mustard yellow trench coat with black pants and sneakers 
and he's walking beside a glowing white woman with this ornate white headdress and shoulder pads and an entire gown of glowing white tinsel fringe and the background here is amazing again these these wide shots are amazing but like what do you what do you think is up with these two what do you think they do like this uh what is this guy hauling on his back? Is there, well, these... I, I like your idea. I think I think in in your notes that I, that you provided me, I think you said something about like fuses or something. But um, yeah, spark plugs but, or fuses. But I like or... the idea with the with the coil, with bat, more like battery in the coiling that's uh, going on there. That's that's more a little more intriguing, and in that uh, that uh, this guy can help uh, power some things need be. You, <laughs> you know, think get get some power going? And maybe the, he's oh, even the, powering, helping this this uh, other one glow. Yeah, like he's the he's the power source yeah. for the glowing uh, the glowing princess woman mm-hmm. here or whatever. Yeah, that could be it. I like that. He, he's her backup battery. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, what do we get here? We get a wider shot, and then yeah, so we see Tron and Yori in the foreground, and Tron asks, "Who are all these weirdos?" <laughs> and I'm kind of like, uh, "Tron, aren't they're the programs you're fighting for? You know, like this, these are the people that you're trying to to rescue from the MCP, right?" That he's, uh, I, I just thought it was kind of a strange throwaway line that I'm like, "Oh well, dude, you're you're not really." on the same page here are you <laughs> like who do you think you're saving it's these guys these weirdos and then yori says inoperative data pushers and tron says uh control programs come on or something like that so it almost sounds like he says troll programs come on but they didn't have uh trolls back in the 80s so i guess he says control programs and then in that shot you can see in the background another variety of programs you see a guy who looks like he's cosplaying as a giant gear with like 60 teeth uh just this giant (laughs) just this it's just this huge gear with a little head on top of it and then we see two women talking to a shorter program with what looks like bat wings and then we see a guard looking guy leading two characters but they're all blue the guard isn't red and then four women walking single file robotically in unison and then there's a weird tube thing with these flowers on each end and it's just spinning by itself happily in the background, uh, while another program looks at it, and you've got a group of four monks in a tight circle talking to each other. And I just, it's like you were saying before, like a cantina scene. The one thing I like about the Star Wars universe is that they've gone so deep giving each character that has even like two seconds of screen time an entire, in some cases, a whole novel to themselves, you know, and I just want to know more about all these people in the background and they don't, uh, and the director's commentary and in the book and everything like that, they don't really talk about it. They're just kind of like, Oh yeah, (laughs) these were weird. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but okay. But what were their, what were their points? Like what's the, the glowing purple data monks in the foreground walking across the screen. And, uh, and I don't, I just, uh, it's it's cool to think about what they could possibly be, though, you know. But that sort of takes us up to the end of uh, to to minute sixty uh, before we go through the the differences in the screenplay and the novel. Was there anything else well, you wanted the, to talk about? In the, so the the bit of uh, a dialogue there, the inoperative data pushers. So I had to yeah. Google that. <laughs> yeah, and the the closest thing to what I was thinking of it would be great band name first. Yeah, <laughs> but what yeah. what the, the the closest thing to that was that apparently Mastodon. 
there's a like a like oh. a uh, mastodon.social dot I'm not sure what it writing will actually go to it. Um but um you know, just someone talking about it. And I guess maybe in relation to Tron, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I would have to assume. Yeah. But yeah. you know, it's it's not that's the closest thing to anyone actually, you know, being a a even a song title, maybe. Or, or yeah, but but that but then a great band name, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Well, yeah, inoperative data pushers kind of seems like it means like, I don't even know what it means. Like dead data pushers. Why would you push dead data? I don't. I don't know if they're saying they're 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 data pushers that are inoperative or they're pushers of inoperative data. It's sort of. I think they're supposed to sort of be with the word pushers in there and it being the eighties. I think they're sort of like. Yeah, these are these are these are drug dealers. This is yeah. this is a this is a the bad part of mm-hmm. town or something like that. In the in the novel when Bit comes out, this is one thing that's super interesting that I'm also super glad that they cut. Like Flynn points his fingers at it like a pistol and is like, "Hold it right there." And it's more timid. It only comes out when it recognizes Flynn. There's a bit more of a of it going like peaking and then like mm-hmm. uh you know it's like a, a like a beaten puppy or something and then it recognizes flynn mistakenly as clue and it goes like oh boy you know like and it comes out but the other thing mm-hmm. is that it doesn't just say yes or no but it also says like sure yeah right yes absolutely <laughs> yep you betcha and then uh as well as like negative uh-uh nope and stuff like that wow. and i'm glad they stuck with just yes or no but i would be curious to see how it would have uh played out with with the variations, you know, <laughs> and the uh, yeah, the specific part of Yori and Tron walking along the concourse with the bizarre programs isn't even in the novel. So mm-hmm. I was hoping to get more backstory on each of the programs specifically, but it's not even it's not even in there. Well, yeah, that and that would bad. be a task. I mean, for I mean, you know, would they really describe them the way we've been describing? <laughs> No, probably not. But... I mean, in a novel, but it, it yeah. should be—it should be just you know giving them names without you know hardly any description. Because why would you need to describe? Yeah, yeah true. Well, he mm-hmm. does. They do talk a little bit about, like I mentioned before, like Tron seeing like veterans of the Code Wars or whatever. He sees a bunch of damaged programs mm-hmm. walking around, mm-hmm. like missing arms and and sparking and and uh zombified low power programs and stuff like that so this is i suppose this is just their take on that Mm -hmm. you know what would that look like i don't know and i'm sure they had like a a phone book of designs that they ended up not using so they probably just took a bunch of those and and uh and put them in here in the uh in the screenplay the bit again is a bit more verbose even more it says like it goes into different languages it's like no yet negatory not on your tin type no way and uh yes okay exactement right on the money we oui, da yes or sure enough you betcha with uh with that kind of thing so again that would have been overboard i think that would have been a little bit of overkill right well, um, back to, back to Star Wars real quick, and I'll tie this into what, what you were just saying. But I've had yeah. this take on Star Wars that that you know, even though we see it's presented as humans, you know, Luke and Han and Leia, um, yeah, that that you know, this is just a being, this is just a story being told to us, and mm-hmm. the beings that they were 
were nothing like us. Oh, okay. So, and, and then, I really, so I then really, question, I like that. So then a question I had to some friends and online and off both, I think when I kind of came up with this idea, maybe a year or so ago, but, um, was, has there been a movie where essentially no, it's, 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 it's live action or pretty close to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, not, mm-hmm. not true cartoon, not truly animated where no beings are human. And so the closest to that I feel like they've done is Dark Crystal. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so the way that ties into this is that, well, you know, why introduce foreign languages? You know, yeah. as these op- other other uh, positives and negatives. Um, yeah. Because what I think, what I think we, we, we should assume is that they're speaking to each other and in, in English just as a means for us to understand what's being said, but that's not really how they would communicate. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And they, they really probably be... wouldn't be walking around, but that's just how we're going <laughs> to, you know? They, yeah. They just be. Yeah. This is all just uh, yeah. like a metaphor or whatever, yeah. just mm-hmm. some set dressing so that we can, we can actually relate to it right. or, or understand the story. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. That's a real yeah, good way you. of looking at it. And uh, and now I'm trying to imagine what the humans in Star Wars actually looked like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like were they just like like blue with yellow eyes, or do they have four arms, or just something like that? No, that's a great new way of looking at Star Wars. Yeah. And I'm going to think about that because I can't think of anything other than Dark Crystal. But there's got to be there's got to be something. But I guess when you're telling a story. I must be extremely rare to tell it was zero humans. Uh-huh. Or even if you have zero humans, they're just going to look superhuman, you know, like, like in, like in star Wars. Right. Like, I don't know. Oh man, you got me all thinking on a whole bunch of different, uh, different things. Uh, let's see with Tron and Yori after he abducts Yori and she realizes it's him and they head off together. They briefly go past some programs talking about artillery and transferring mm. functions like that section is being shut down. Mm. And that coupled with her zombie coworkers really paints a picture that I think we completely don't get in the film. Like since we don't see it before, we have no idea that this is a nightmarish yeah. after, right. you know, mm. like she says, I can't believe it's gotten so bad around here since the MCP started taking over. All the good functions have shut down. Everybody looks so dead. I'm afraid to go out even during downtime. Wow. I like the idea of downtime mm-hmm. being nighttime. So, I don't know. There could have been... Yeah, I just think this this, this, this just is presented as the Tron world. You know, I don't mm-hmm. get the, the, the feeling of disrepair that I think is trying to be insinuated. But I still love those characters, though. My <laughs> gosh, this is still one of my favorite sequences in the whole film, just because everybody in it is so, so weird. I want to see a whole movie of just, uh, just you know, milling about with these people at some kind of uh, party during the good times, you know. But that takes us up to about the end of uh, minute 60, I think. What do you think? You got anything more? No, yeah, I'm good. All right, cool. Well, for the final time, do you want to tell people where they can find you if they want to hear more of you? Uh, yeah, um, and actually, I want to definitely point out uh, on air here uh, the uh, f- for the uh, almost famous minute and feels like Weezer, but more music based um, uh, 
podcasts. Uh, th- those are on a network uh, called the Pantheon Podcast Network, and it's all rock and roll related um, shows. About, about right about uh, thirty shows at this time uh, we have there, and uh, I've listened to quite a few of them, and and not a one do I not like. You know, they're all everything I've checked out so far is pretty good, and I'll keep checking out cool. more. That's for sure. Um, yeah. And then uh, Watchmen Minute, uh, you can find that uh, just by googling it. That, that's that's the that's the easiest to find of the three. You just just googling <laughs> Watchmen Minute, um, uh, and and uh, you can just find me uh, personally uh, at Lucky Mustard on Twitter, and find those others just uh, real easy on Twitter and, and various social media, Facebook and what have you. Awesome. I love that name, Lucky Mustard. Oh yeah, that's really it's mm-hmm. it's easy so, to. And that uh, comes from uh, Radiohead's song "Lucky." And, okay. Uh, the Beatles' "Mean Mr. Mustard." Oh, right on. The Mean Mr. Part. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's fantastic! What a great origin. It's not just two random, uh, two random words. Yeah. That's great. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, check out more at TronologicallySpeaking.com or on Twitter at TronologicallySpeaking or send us an email at TronologicallySpeaking at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at the Tronologically Speaking Minute by Minute listeners page. Uh, shout out to Pond5 for the music at the beginning and the end. And special thanks to the Star Wars Minute. Let's start it at all. We can listen to that and others at MoviesByMinutes.com and I'm sure your favorite movie is there at this point uh, there's like 150 and counting I think at this point and if uh, it's not there then either just wait for a little bit or do it yourself because uh, it's, a, it's a cool community of people and it's, uh, it's great to get involved and do this do you want to try a little uh, end of line mm-hmm. on three here well first of all I just want to say Eric it's been great having you on the show and thank you very much for being here for these three minutes yeah, and it's you. been uh, it's been wonderful and I hope you had a good time definitely okay you want to try a little uh, end of line on three yep okay one two three end of line end of line beautiful